The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. As some of you may know, I often go to YouTube and I listen to inspirational and motivational messages. I like doing that. I like taking notes. I like learning and discovering. And today, I've selected something that Motivational Hub If you go on to YouTube and you look for Motivational Hub, they have got a series of excellent, excellent videos out there that will definitely change your life. They posted a 2021, some of their best choices up until the time that they had posted it, which include the following speakers, Matthew McConaughey, Eric Thomas, Wayne Gretzky, Richard Branson, David Goggins, Grant Cardone, Kobe Bryant, Robert Kiyosaki, Dan Penna, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jordan Peterson, Dr. Miles Monroe, Ray Lewis, Walter Bond, Joe Rogan, Zig Ziglar, Elon Musk, and TJ Jakes. So you are in for two hours of great inspiration. I hope you enjoy this, and please do let me know if you are enjoying these kind of podcasts. And I give the credit to Motivational Hub. Check them out on YouTube. We so often focus on failure, don't we? We study failure, obsessed with failure. We dissect failure and our failures. We dissect them so much we end up intoxicated with them to the point of disillusion. Your future is never predicated on what you lost. It's predicated on what you have left. Most people never dare to evaluate really where they are. And you got to know where you are before you can really determine your chances of getting what you really want out of life. There are many more ways to fail than to succeed. For a rocket, there's like a thousand ways to think and fail and like one way it can work. It's hard for people to be themselves. They don't like themselves. They don't like what they are. And so they, they like to pretend that there's something more exceptional. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not to who someone else is today. When you don't get what you want, then a landscape of questions emerge. There need to be reasons to get up in the morning. You know, life can't just be about solving problems. Otherwise, what's the point? And those questions can resonate through different levels of your identity, from the trivial, oh, I told the joke wrong, to the profound, there's nothing desirable about me and I'll be alone for the rest of my life. Responsibility is, is appreciation of a past, it's building of a lineage, it's investing in ourselves, it's investing in something we started to build yesterday that we want to take into tomorrow. That gives us freedom. What you have left is enough to build something greater than where you are. And you have all the rich experiences that come through the atrocities you survived. They looked at the most successful men and women of the world and they found that they had like seven, eight things in common. And one of the things they all had in common was a routine. Failing to prepare was preparing to fail. 
The night before a game, I ate the same food. I went to bed at the same time. I got up, I ate the same breakfast. So the routine and the preparation, some people call it superstition, but it's a routine. The stronger your mindset is, the greater your skill set is going to be. We remember the stuff we earn, the stuff we experience, more than what the teacher tells us or what someone gives us for free. A company is simply a group of people. As a leader of people, you have to be a great listener, you have to be a great motivator, uh, you have to be very good at praising and looking for the best in people. You think, people, you think Warren Buffett reading just to be reading? The majority of you are poor because you read poor stuff. Everything was done to try to learn how to become a better basketball player. Everything, everything. And so when you have that point of view, then literally the world becomes your library to help you to become better at your craft. I think it's important that you really like whatever you're doing. Uh, if, if you don't like it, life is too short. If I'm lying to you about who I am, or I'm lying to you about whatever, there's no starting point. There's a false reality. You have to create the real reality. It's a good separation for me, you know, emotionally, to be able to put myself in a place where at practice or when I'm training or during games, I switch my mind to something else. I became number one in the world. I became a millionaire not because I made more money. I became a millionaire because they told me millionaires only live off of 30% of their income. I became a millionaire because I did what millionaires did. I stopped living off 100%. What does it mean time is money, right? How do you multiply time? How do you buy time? Rich people buy time. Most of the people watching this thing should either not be in business if they've got one, or close the f***er down if they got one. Because you got in business for all the wrong reasons and you don't have the balls to close them down because of what other people are going to say. You, don't ha you have no idea how um, limitless it is when you're not afraid of what other people think or say. You have no idea. There's not two people watching this thing that even has uh, a concept of what it is to act as if you have no limits to your abilities. Zero. Uh, but you have to do something every day that scares you, scares you. And, um, and that's uh, a, a takeoff from Helen Keller, who said, or not said, uh, she was deaf, dumb, uh, everything, she couldn't do anything. And she said every day she did something to scare herself. Well, if you and I had all those afflictions, just getting out of bed would be scary enough. And so I decided that one of the differentiations between the people that got the most out of the, uh, the week-long seminar and the year-long free mentoring from me is people that really press themselves hard. So I translated that into they've got to do something and list it, what they did to scare themselves every single day. Is that the essence of really what you do, is getting people to take more risk or to get out of their comfort zones and then the wealth comes later? It's not just uh, out of their comfort zones. It's the change of reality. Okay, you know, your reality is different than my reality. And, you know, your followers' realities are all different. Uh, it, but it's the change of reality. And to make yourself uh, accountable, that's not just getting outside your comfort zone, making yourself accountable. Okay? Uh, not just accountable, to, not accountable to somebody else. Accountable to you, me, you know, yourself. Because that's the ultimate, uh, ultimately, that's the only person you should be accountable to, is yourself. And we grow up, uh, in my judgment, wrongly, 
that the that, that we don't hold ourselves accountable enough. We just don't. We've we've, we've learned uh, to come up with reasons why we can't do this, reasons why it's okay not to do this, reasons why you didn't follow up on time, reasons why I told the guy to get back to him by Wednesday. It's now Friday. Oh, it's the weekend. I'll now get back to him till you know on Monday. And uh, life has gotten simpler now with the internet and with email and the things where the communication is almost instant, you'd think it should be easier, but it's not. I, I use the analogy, 25, 30 years ago, you go in and buy a $100 million company, your due diligence would be three, four, five weeks, and it'd take you three, four, five weeks to close the deal. Okay, a month and a half, six to eight weeks. With the internet, it should take less time because the information is instantaneous. It takes us twice as long to close a deal now. Twice as long. There's no reason for that. Things haven't gotten twice as complicated, but somebody has to put their name on the line. Somebody wants to push off the accountability. Somebody would rather have Brian sign off on it. So I go home early on a Thursday, knowing you're gonna come in early on a Monday and your signature will be on the document instead of mine because I don't wanna be accountable. Uh, and so the, the kids today have this need. It's, it's like this thirst for, for guidance. And the kids do better in the year-long mentor program than the older kids. So the kids in their teens and 20s uh, do better than the guys in their 40s and 50s. That's because the guys in their 40s and 50s got a lot of baggage. Bad habits. Bad habits, you know, and it's tough to get rid of them. And the, um, you know, motivation gets you started. Good habits keep you going. Most people just have piss poor habits. And uh, you know, I've had these same habits for about 50 years now, okay? About 50 years. And I don't even think about it. I mean, it's just like brushing my teeth, taking a shower, I just do it. And, uh, and, I, and I, one of the other interviews that uh, I did with you, I said, when I do feel wimpish, which isn't too often, I just say, come on. And, and I just go out and do it. Uh, and, 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 and I do that about my entire life, uh, everything about it. And, and, and I know that if I hadn't built up these habits 20, 30 years ago, you know, at, at age 70, I certainly wouldn't be doing this. I don't fail very often. I, I do fail. You're pretty open about all the failures. Of yeah, I'm not ashamed them. of them. Right. That's, who, that's what's made me who I am. You said failure is just testing. Correct. It's just testing, and I don't know. And I'm quick to pull the trigger two two ways. I'm quick to pull the trigger and trying something, and I'm quick to pull the trigger and closing something. Just turn the key. What does that mean? Turn the key. Turn the key means close the fucking business. Most of the people watching this thing should either not be in business if they've got one, or close the fucker down if they got one. Because you got in business for all the wrong reasons and you don't have the balls to close them down because of what other people are going to say. You, don't ha you have no idea how um, limitless it is when you're not afraid of what other people think or say. You have no idea. There's not two people watching this thing that even has uh, a concept of what it is to act as if you have no limits to your abilities. Zero.
lack of self-esteem, uh, lack of self-worth. Now they think they have self-worth. They think because they've made a few bucks. But in actuality, and when they measure it against the other 8, 10, 12 people sitting around the table, they realize or they start to question, hell, maybe I was just lucky. Now, all of us, when you're only a one-trick guy or gal, think, was I lucky? Now, I've done it so many times, I know I'm, I wasn't lucky. I might have been lucky the first time, but I'm not, I haven't been lucky the 15, 20, 40, 50, 60. I know that. Okay. But maybe I was lucky the first time. The, but my life changed when I went, I was pretty much a, a haphazard kid, got in a lot of trouble, got arrested four or five times, thrown in jail. And this was when my dad's a cop. But then I went, I volunteered for the draft um, in 1966 at the height of the Vietnam War. And um, I went to OCS and that changed my life because it was the really first real high performance thing that I could measure myself against other, with other people. Two-thirds of all Fortune 500 uh, CEOs have one thing in common, military background. Really? Two-thirds of those two-thirds have something else, martial arts. What do you learn in martial arts, Brian? Discipline, focus. A lot of people don't believe they deserve to be there. I convince them, and uh, we have these drills, why you belong there. A lot of people that come there, you know, with money, that have made money, think they made it by accident. Right. I just had one of my superstars who's made a hundred million bucks tell me in the last week, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to have another lucky accident. And I said, you did it. I mean, you, you know, you tried a lot of things. I believe Thomas Edison, I, would, I wouldn't have done it 10,000 times. Okay. I would have hired an engineer from MIT to do it. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I've tried a lot of things. Nobody's failed at more things than I have and the first hundred million are successes but I could write a book about failures that it'd be I mean because I've tried a lot of different things because failure is just testing and uh, one of the reasons I've been so successful in generating this equity and value in my kids and I call you all kids is because I convince them that making a mistake is okay your parents probably told you you can be anything you want but you can't that's horse you can't if it's all juxtaposed. So, but what you tell them is that you can do anything you want that you have passion for because that eliminates most of the crap because most people don't follow their dream. You know, like they say in the sound of music, you can't have a dream come true unless you have a dream. Now, I still dream. I dream in Technicolor. I say my affirmations and goals every single night. It's bloody hard to be a high-performance person. I'm here to talk about success. The first rule of success is to have a vision. You see, if you don't have a vision of where you go, and if you don't have a goal where you go, you drift around and you never end up anywhere. I mean, as you know, I was born in 1947 in Austria after the Second World War. So I was very fortunate that I stumbled onto my vision. And I didn't really like Austria when I grew up. I couldn't wait to get out of there. I couldn't see myself becoming a farmer or a worker in a factory or anything like that. Even though my parents wanted me to stay there and have a normal life. But that was their vision, not mine. 
My vision was totally different. I felt that I was born for something special, for something unique, for something big. Then one day I went to school. I remember I was 11 years old. And they showed a documentary about America. And there they showed in this documentary the huge skyscrapers, the high rises, the huge bridges, the six lane freeways, and all of this stuff. And I said to myself, that's where I want to be. I don't want to be around here with these little farmhouses and these little buildings. I want to be in America. One day after school, I walked by a store in Graz. So I went inside and I looked around and then I saw a magazine. I saw a bodybuilding magazine that had Reg Park on the cover. Reg Park was then a three-time Mr. Universe. And I saw him on the big screen as Hercules. I read that and I said to myself, wow, this is the blueprint for my life. This is exactly what I want to do. I want to become a bodybuilding champion just like Reg Park. I want to get into movies just like Reg Park. And I want to make millions of dollars and be rich and famous just like Reg Park. Do you know how great it felt that I knew where I was going? Imagine the majority of people don't know where they're going. I knew where I was going, that I'm going to become this bodybuilding champion just like him. So it was just a question of how do you do it? I was so relieved because when you have a goal, when you have a vision, everything becomes easy. So people always ask me when they saw me in the gym in the pumping iron days, they said, why is it that you're working out so hard? five hours a day, six hours a day, and you have always a smile on your face. And I told people all the time, I said, because to me, I'm shooting for a goal. In front of me is the Mr. Universe title. So every rep that I do gets me closer to accomplishing that goal, to make this goal, this vision turn into reality. Every single set that I do, every repetition, every weight that I lift will get me a step closer to turn this goal into reality. So I couldn't wait to do another 500 pound squat. I couldn't wait to do another 500 pound bench press. I couldn't wait to do another 2000 reps of sit-ups. I couldn't wait for the next exercise. With the age of 20, I went to London and I won the Mr. Universe contest as the youngest Mr. Universe ever. And it was because I had a goal. So let me tell you something, visualizing your goal and going after it makes it fun. You've got to have a purpose no matter what you do in life. You've got to have a purpose. Seventy-four percent hate their job in America. Now, this is not much different when you come to Europe. The majority of people don't like what they're doing because they're really not doing it because they didn't have a goal and they followed this goal. They just aimlessly drift around and then all of a sudden there's a job opening so they get that job because you have to work. But then when you work, it's a chore. It's work. It's not fun. So if you think about only a quarter of the people really enjoy what they're doing in life. That is unbelievable if you think about it. So I felt so blessed that I knew what I was doing. It's like a medical student that studies and knows he wants to become a doctor. You know where to go. And the same thing is also in politics. 
I remember that in politics, I had a very clear vision that I will be the leader of California. This is as far as I could go because I was not born in America, so I could not run for president. So being the governor of the fifth largest state, of, I should say the largest state, the fifth largest economy in the world, was for me really the ultimate title, the ultimate accomplishment in politics. So even though people came up to me and says, why don't you go and run for something smaller? You're never gonna make it. I ran for governor and then two months later, I became governor of the state of California. Again, because I had a very clear vision what I'm gonna do with California. So that's rule number one, have a vision. Rule number two is don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the naysayers. Everything I ever did, the thing that I heard out of people's mouth was, that's impossible. That can't be done. Or no. That is exactly what I heard. And of course, I proved to the people that it can't be done. So whenever someone said to me, it can't be done, I heard it can be done. When they said no, I heard yes. And when they said it's impossible, I heard it is possible. I'm a strong believer of what Nelson Mandela said, that everything is always impossible until someone does it. Well, I'm going to be the one, I said to myself, I'm going to do it and I'm going to show it to them. Maybe it has never been done before. That's perfectly fine with me. But I'm going to do it. And I did not listen to the naysayers. Success means different things to different people. For some, success might be financial achievements, becoming a millionaire, for example. For some, it might mean accolades. For sportsmen, it may mean trophies, championships, or medals. For some, being successful might simply mean achieving a state of wellness health or happiness, whatever it means to you. Take note of these 10 habits of all successful people. They apply to any area and any meaning of success. Number one, they set goals. You've probably never met a successful person who doesn't set goals. Because the chances of you finding what you want without a clear target to move forward are right around zero. If you don't know where you're going, you will end up someplace you didn't plan to be. Setting goals should be the number one priority for anyone seeking success. Define exactly what it is you want, your end goal. Break down exactly what is required to get there. Mini goals. Make sure your why, your reason for doing what you must do is strong. So when you hit those roadblocks, when things go wrong as they always do, you have the strength and purpose to keep going. Number two, they take responsibility for their life. Another key attribute of all successful people is they take complete responsibility for the success and the failures in their life. Unlike the majority, 
They never play the victim role. If something doesn't work out, they don't blame others. They learn the lesson. Learn one more way not to do something and move on quickly. Your energy is always best spent in the present and planning for the future. Your thought process should always be, how can I make this work? And what can I learn from this? Never living in the past or making excuses as to why you aren't where you should be. Remember, everyone suffers setbacks. Everyone has the opportunity to either blame others in circumstances or to focus on moving on and creating a better future. Regardless of what has happened, you decide what you do now. Number three, they have great self-discipline. Discipline is a strong trait of all successful people, and it is one that can be developed with consistent use. Anyone that works from home or unsupervised knows the importance of self-discipline. When you are alone, will you choose to go through social media? Watch cat videos on YouTube or do something that will be beneficial for your future. It is much easier to have discipline if you have clear goals and a meaningful purpose. Something that is much more important than meaningless distractions. Number four, they are obsessed with self-development. You can't really claim to be successful if you have given up working on yourself. This doesn't mean you are never satisfied, just that you know it is human nature to want to grow and learn new things. Be open to learn new things and develop your mind through mentors, audiobooks, and reading. The more you learn, the more you will earn financially and spiritually. Number five, they read a lot. Reading is a common pastime of many highly successful people. The majority these days can't sit alone for two minutes without becoming bored, picking up their phone to go on social media, probably to post about how bored they are. Successful people, however, are almost always happy to be alone, to be alone in quiet, to have the opportunity to read or listen to something that will benefit their mind and their future. If you're not a reader, try audiobooks. You can play them in your car, in the gym, or while you shower, and use time that might normally be wasted to gain new skills, new strengths. Number six, they manage their time well. Time management is essential to success. Unsuccessful people usually get stressed and overwhelmed when there are too many tasks on their to-do list. Successful people are rarely phased. They prioritize the big payoff and most rewarding tasks first and leave the insignificant ones to last, knowing it matters most to do the most valuable tasks first. Successful people plan in advance, days, weeks, months ahead, knowing clearly what needs to be done to complete their jobs and reach their goals. Number seven, they take risks. If you don't buy a ticket, you can't win the raffle. If you don't take big risks, you can't achieve big rewards. Successful people know 
that there will be times they will need to take risks in order to get where they need to go. Often, most people won't take those same risks for fear of failure. However, the greater failure to successful people would be that of regret. Risk going for the life you want or guarantee living with one you don't want. Number eight, they keep going when they suffer failure and setbacks. We all suffer setbacks. Every single person that attempts to live their dream life will suffer through failure. Many of them might even lose everything. Most quit. The successful never quit. They keep going, knowing their greatest character is formed in adversity, knowing their success story is being written in every moment. And it will be especially good now they have a comeback story. Number nine, they find a way to win. Successful people find a way, period. Whatever life throws their way, they deal with it, dodge it, smash through it. Whatever is required, they find a way to win. It's the whatever it takes mentality. It's the confidence in knowing whatever happens, I will give my all and leave nothing on the table. I will find a way to win. Number 10, they do what they love. If you're not doing what you love, you can't really claim yourself a success. Spending the majority of your working hours, also known as the majority of your life, doing things you hate for money is not successful living. It's torture to the soul. If you need to suffer doing something you don't like to get to a life you love, do that. But do not lose sight of exactly that. Your ultimate purpose. Find your life purpose. Think of all the things you love to do more than anything in the world. Then brainstorm how you can turn those passions into profit. Doing what you love every day. Even if you were taking a pay cut, it will be worth it. Do what you love every day. And you will never work a day in your life. I wrote a book in... Uh, called the Millionaire Booklet. I wrote that book in two hours. It was translated to 38 languages for free because of my social my social media standing around the world. I just asked a bunch of people, "Can you help me?" 38 languages and literally in one month, the whole book was produced, written, translated. Like you need friends. Counterintuitive, 50-page pamphlet type book. Yeah, you're yeah, making not yeah. the New York Times bestseller. Yeah, where'd that come from? Another. Contrarian idea. Again, again, like like the book publishers, you know, they're they're dying. They're 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 they're. But come on, man, you that's, don't even, that's you, antiquated. That you don't even count digital downloads. Like, you, you, what's wrong with you? Right. Guys? So give them something they can read in a couple hours. Give them it took me can... 19 months to write my last book because of the publisher was involved. Okay, I'm not supposed to write a book while I'm writing a book, so I wrote a booklet. <laughs> okay, wrote the booklet in two hours. The booklet made more money in 19 days than the other book made in 19 months. 
and was translate, translated in 38 languages. The other book that took 19 months, publishers, editors, you know, all this energy, all this wasted freaking energy and money, still hasn't been translated. So speed, see, is, I'm now back to how fast can I work? Compressed time. Time is money. Most people don't, don't even understand the concept. Like, what, what does that even mean? They say it, but they don't know what it means. Yeah. Oh, it's a cute saying. It's a perfect t-shirt. But they're not actually applying it to their life. No, they're like, what does that mean, man? What does it mean time is money, right? How do you multiply time? How do you buy time? Rich people buy time. So never. You think, people, you think Warren Buffett reading just to be reading? The majority of you are poor because you read poor stuff. You watch poor stuff. You on Instagram watching fights. Bro, you just scrolling through like you ain't got a life. For real, some of y'all on Instagram, you on there for 30 minutes. If I ask you what you saw, you don't even know. You just scrolling through. That's a poverty mindset. Rich people don't waste time. They realize it's their most important commodity. They don't watch a lot of TV. They don't do a lot of entertainment. If they're not working, they're studying their craft and getting better at their craft. Oh, you, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, let me say it one more time. There was a language that I needed to learn. Does it, does it mean I need to abandon the, learn, the language that I learned? Absolutely not. Does it mean I need to put on a shirt and tie? I, listen to me. When I do corporate, I promise you I look like this. I probably don't look this good. Sometimes I got on shorts and a t-shirt. In corporate, why? Because I don't need to necessarily conform. They're not asking me to come to dress up. But I'm so good at what I do, they don't even require a suit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of us don't want to wear a suit, but you're not on that level, though. Or you want to wear a suit and act as if your suit is going to compensate for what you are inferior at. Your suit don't, your suit don't make your language sweet. For real, some of you wear suits because you think like you're going to impress somebody with a suit and you might get in the door, but sooner or later they're going to find out who you are. So I need you to stop having the poverty mindset. So when I quit my job to be an entrepreneur, my mom was like, whoa, what are you doing? I was like, I'm quitting. My mom was like, don't you dare quit. You're going to embarrass me. You got a wife and kids. Does YouTube have insurance? Does YouTube have a 401k? And I was like, yo, mom, I ain't trying to be funny and I ain't trying to be disrespectful. I love you, but you can't teach me how to be a millionaire because you're not one. You come from the working class and I'm not mad at you, ma. We wouldn't be where we are without you, but you told me that every generation is supposed to get better. So I'll take your values, but I won't take your work ethic. Because rich people don't work, they think. The working class will never get rich. It wasn't designed. Oh, yeah, okay. Listen to me, this country became a wealthy country because they had employees they didn't have to pay. That's not, that's not, that's not like a rocket science. So when this country had to start paying people, they want to pay the least. The 3% that run the world, they're not trying. Let me, let me tell you how I know. I'm from Detroit. We just laid off 15,000 workers, and the president of GM, she just got $22 million. We got $22 million to give one person when we laid off 15,000 people, and we took their health care that's already paid for. No disrespect to nobody, and I ain't playing no victim because I'm not a victim. Rich people don't work, they think. Poor people work. Poor people go, clock in, I make this much an hour. 
Rich people go, I put them to work and I make this much an hour. <laughs> See, what happens is you're working for you and your family, one, they got 40 of you working at one time. So they're giving you 20% and then they're keeping the 80% off of 15,000 people. That's enough to have $22 million. So what you have to decide is, are you gonna keep being the 99% or are you ready to be a part of the 1%? Because it doesn't make a difference where you come from high school dropout. It doesn't make a difference where you come from GED. It doesn't make a difference where you come from sleeping in abandoned buildings. It doesn't make a difference where you come from a 17-year-old mom that got pregnant. It doesn't make a difference where you come from south side of Chicago. It doesn't make a difference where you come from pretty much raised in Detroit. It doesn't make a difference where you come from took 12 years to get a four-year degree. It doesn't take a, make a difference. Well, you know what makes a difference? What makes a difference is when you become a 99% or a 1%. And the Oscar goes to Matthew McConaughey. Dissect your successes and the reciprocity of gratitude. We so often focus on failure, don't we? We study failure, obsess with failure. We dissect failure and our failures. We dissect them so much we end up intoxicated with them to the point of disillusion. You see, happiness is an emotional response to an outcome. If I win, I will be happy. If I don't, I won't. It's an if-then, cause-and-effect, quid pro quo standard that we cannot sustain because we immediately raise it every time we attain it. You see, happiness demands a certain outcome. It is result-reliant. And I say, if happiness is what you're after, then you're gonna be let down frequently, and you're gonna be unhappy much of your time. Joy, though, joy is a different thing. It's something else. Joy is not a choice. It's not a response to some result. It's a constant. Joy is the feeling that we have from doing what we are fashioned to do. Life is not easy. It is not. Don't try to make it that way. Life's not fair. It never was. It isn't now and it won't ever be. Do not fall into the trap, the entitlement trap, of feeling like you're a victim. You are not. Get over it and get on with it. And yes, most things are more rewarding when you break a sweat to get them. So be brave. Have courage. And when you do, you get stronger, you get more aware, you get more respectful of yourself and that which you fear. My hero, that's who I chase. Now when I was 15 years old, I had a very important person in my life come to me and say, who's your hero? And I said, I don't know, I gotta think about that. Give me a couple of weeks. I come back two weeks later, this person comes up and says, who's your hero? I said, I thought about it. You know who it is? I said, it's me in 10 years. So I turned 25, 10 years later, that same person comes to me and goes, so are you a hero? And I was like, not even close. No, no, no. She said, why? I said, because my hero is me at 35. So you see, every day, every week, every month, and every year of my life, my hero is always 10 years away. I'm never going to be my hero. I'm not going to attain that. I know I'm not. And that's just fine with me because that keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. So to any of us, whatever those things are, whatever it is we look up to, whatever it is we look forward to, and whoever it is we're chasing, to that I say amen. That I say, all right, all right, all right. And that I say, just keep living, huh? Thank you. You knew that there is something to be extracted from living life. How did you get that frame of reference? Like, that's so useful, but I don't think most yeah. people have that. Man, I, you know, I don't know exactly where 
where I got it. I mean, I would say again to call back that Australian year where I did not have a choice, where I was forced into that situation and saw the green light assets from being alone and quite lonely. Um, I do think uh, that there's great value in being alone. And if we are alone and we get bored and we don't like the company, ding, may that light go off to say, that does not mean we need to pick up our phone to get some attention or go to the bottle to, to ease the anxiety or go online to get some feedback to entertain ourselves. No, it's actually a great time to say no sit here in that discomfort long enough to go, okay, until you come out the other side to go, all right, I'm good with me again. Now, it's, it's part of that, I write about when I, about traveling in general. Ideally, you don't go to a place, you don't, I always say this, don't, I don't want to leave a place I travel to until I get to the point of going, ah, I could live here. This could be my existence. And as soon as I get to that point, then I'm like, okay, you can go. Now I can go. That's the same thing in the personal journeys. Stick with it till you get through the discomfortable to uncomfortable times until you go, you know what? I can spend time with myself. I could do this. I could do this forever. Well, then it's okay to go re-engage, pick up your phone, go see your friends, go have a drink, what have you. Go look for those things that are, are the other relationships in life. But hopefully not until. There's great value in not doing that until you go, I'm good with me and me for right now. Now, why do you pursue things that scare you? Why seek the role that's hard? Because it costs me something. Because it costs. It comes with a price. It's, it's a bit of that line, don't pick a fight, kid. It's not really a fight unless you can lose it. It's not really, you know, don't, it's not really a risk unless you can lose the fight. I feel more alive in them. I have an experience in the making of them. I'm nervous every day I come to work. I feel like when I nail a day and I knock it and I know I did, I feel like, yes. I, get, I, I have a measure at the end of the day, like you set out to do something, you prepared for it, you had intention and you did it. And maybe even became, found some magic in the day. That I sleep good knowing that I accomplished that day in uh, building the architecture of a character's arc through a story. And then if I could put the whole thing together and it comes out, the whole, one whole performance turns out to be a beautiful song, an original song of that character, then I'm like, yes. And I know that I was highly responsible for that. I was not solely responsible, but the most responsible for that. And that gives me pleasure. That gives me gratification. That makes me feel, gives me significance. That gives me confidence. If I don't pull it off, and I do have a day where I'm like, oh no, you didn't ever, and it was my fault. I still, I would rather with these kind of roles, I can look in the mirror and go, so guess who's responsible for not pulling it off? You, Conhey. In the same way, when I go, guess who's responsible for pulling off? I like knowing who. You. And 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 it was also again work that challenged the vitality of my life. Drama, dramatic roles allow you, the actor to have as high of a ceiling or as low of a basement, from love to hate, from happiness to pain, as that particular actor wants to bring to it. That's what's inherently beautiful about dramas. Okay, you're the part. You're playing the role. How does how how is are you going to emulate that person through yourself? Um, that is a vital thing. That I feel that makes me sweat. That makes me sleep better at the end of the day. That gives me a sense of accomplishment. I'm like, yes, I did what I intended to do. I prepared for it. Was ready. Oh, the day didn't go how I thought it was going to go. But I I called audibles along the way, enrolled, and still told the truth on my man, the character. That gratification feels good. 
Unbelievable is the stupidest word in the dictionary. Should never come out of our mouths. Think about it. To say, oh wow, what an unbelievable play. Uh, it was an unbelievable book, an unbelievable film, an unbelievable act of courage. Really? It, it may be spectacular, it may be phenomenal, most excellent or outstanding, but unbelievable? Uh-uh. Give others and yourself more credit. It just happened. You witnessed it. You just did it. Believe it. Give your obstacles credit. That there's a responsibility to freedom and that there is freedom in responsibility. You know, and that earn your way there. We remember the stuff we earn, the stuff we experience more than what the teacher tells us or what someone gives us for free. We just do, we broke a proverbial sweat on it, whether it was mental or physical or whatever. We, we, we built it, we, we understand, we felt how we got it, how we achieved it, how we got what we wanted. Those stick with us, whether we forget them intellectually, they were written in our lineage and they build resilience and they, and, and, and they build a healthy, true optimism going forward to know that, oh no, I've, I've, I've worked for something before and achieved it. Delayed gratification. Oh, there are choices I can make today for myself that will pay me back later in life. So there are choices we make. If you're gonna say right now, I'm gonna lie, cheat and steal to get what I want and I got it. I got an immediate green light for me. That's a battery powered green light. That's not a, a solar powered green light. Why? Because now everywhere I go, I gotta look over my shoulder to see if someone's there that I lied, cheat and stole from. And when I'm doing that, I'm stealing whose time? My time. Now I'm not freedom. I'm not free. I don't have the freedom. I didn't create freedom in my future because I chose to be an make an irresponsible act that I left crumbs. I've now got reasons to look over my shoulder. And the more things we do to create in our, in our future that we got to look over our shoulder, the more of our most precious thing we have in our life's time that we're stealing from ourselves. So it's not puritanical. It's just like, it's actually self-serving. It's a very selfish choice. Um, and, and I'm a fan of the word selfish. I've read, helped redefine it, um, but I believe that there are selfish choices we can make that are the most selfless, that there are selfless choices that we can make that are the most selfish choices. Those two are not a contradiction, and we see them that way. Responsibility is, is appreciation of a past. It's building of a lineage. It's investing in ourselves. It's investing in something we started to build yesterday that we want to take into tomorrow. There's a response that gives us freedom. These people that you're comparing yourself to, you don't really know very well. What that means is that you see their shiny outside, but you don't see the reality of their life. There's always people out there who are doing far better than you on pretty much anything you yep. want to imagine. And if all you're doing is seeing yourself in their reflected light, let's say, then it's going to be pretty damn dismal. But it's not a good comparison because, well, first of all, there's danger in just comparing yourself to others, period, because they're not you. And God only knows what struggles they had to undertake to get to where they were or what burdens they're currently carrying that you're not aware of. But you can certainly contrast yourself with yourself. And that's a lot better. It is the only way. Well, it's also the only way of really, of really measuring anything approximating proper improvement. You can actually tell when you're a little better than you were yesterday. Right. And, and you can actually do that. That's another thing that's so interesting about it is that you can actually make yourself a little better in some way, pretty much, well, I don't know if it's at every moment, but you can certainly do it every day.
Be careful who you share good news with because you want to share good news with people who are going to be genuinely happy for you and be careful who you share bad news with because that's equally tricky. You want someone who will listen to you when you're having trouble and allow you your grief. Beauty calls people to their higher being, I would say, and to make friends with beauty is to introduce yourself very carefully to one of the mysteries of life that make it worth living. There's never been a better time for the majority of people to be alive. And the future, although we're vulnerable and terrible things can always happen to us, it's hard to make a case that the future doesn't look comparatively positive. We're becoming extremely technologically sophisticated and the world is changing at an incredibly rapid rate and the only way we're going to be able to manage that in a positive way is if each of us or as many of us as possible are capable of making wise and careful and truthful decisions and if we do that then maybe things can continue to improve. You don't get people to stand up on their own two feet and to adopt responsibility if everything is given to them and that, that's, that's a real conundrum. You know, maybe you're in California, see someone speeding down the road in a, in a convertible Porsche and you think, oh man, what a lucky bastard. And the truth of the matter is that he's thinking about wrapping his expensive sports car around the next cement pillar that he comes close to. You know, you, you can't tell and people have hard lives and, and even people who are comparatively fortunate have hard lives. And the ideal that you're observing that makes you jealous and resentful is in large part an illusion that's created by your own mind. You have to be careful of what you're jealous of because you don't really know what it is. And, and then the other thing that's kind of useful is to, well, to understand you're quite different from other people and you shouldn't be comparing yourself to them because they're not like you. They, they don't have your family. They don't have your temperament. They don't have your troubles. They don't have your abilities. The only person that has those is you. One of the rules, I think it's rule four, is compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not to who someone else is today. And see, that's a game you can win. The possibility that you can make yourself slightly better on a continual basis is, I think that's something that's accessible to everyone. I, I think that's equivalent to leading a virtuous life. And there is something to be said for virtue and truth. You know, and, and that is one thing, another thing that I've noticed about people who've been phenomenally successful is that they really do everything they can to live a truthful life. And you can get a bloody long ways by being honest. You gotta know that there are differences in intelligence. It's really important. If you go into a job and you're not smart enough for that job, you're gonna have one bloody miserable time. And you're gonna make life wretched for the people around you because you won't be able to handle the position. But what you really wanna do as far as I can tell, if you want to maximize your chances for both success and, and let's say, well-being, is you want to find a strata of occupation in which you would have an intelligence that would put you in the upper quartile. That's perfect. Then you're a big fish in a small pond. And you don't want to be the, you don't want to be the stupidest guy in the room. It's a bloody rough place to be. So, and you probably don't want to be the smartest guy in the room either, because what that probably means is you should be in a different room. If you want to be the best at what you're doing, bar none, 
then having an IQ of above 145 is a necessity. And maybe you're pushing 160 in some situations. And maybe that's make, make, making you one person in 10,000 or even one person in 100,000. And then also, to really be good at it, you probably have to be reasonably stress tolerant and also somewhat conscientious. Why is it that smart people are at the top of dominance hierarchies? And the answer to that in part is because they get there first. Right? I mean, everything's a race, roughly speaking. And the faster you are, the more likely you are to be at the forefront of the pack. And intelligence, in large part, is speed. That's not all of it is. So if you're moving towards something difficult rapidly, the faster people are going to get there first. You're going to have to put some effort into your life. And you need to be motivated to do that. And so what are the potential sources of motivation? Well, you could think about them in, in the big five manner. You know, if you're extroverted, you want friends. If you're agreeable, you want an intimate relationship. If you're disagreeable, you want to win competitions. If you're open, you want to engage in creative activity. If you're high in eroticism, you want security. Okay, so those are all sources of potential motivation that you could draw on, that you could tailor to your own, you know, your own personality. But then there are dimensions that you want to consider your life across. And so we ask people about, well, you know, if you could have your life the way you wanted it in three to five years, if you were taking care of yourself properly, you know, what would you want from your friendships? What would you want from your intimate relationship? How would you like to structure your family? What do you want for your career? Well, how are you going to use your time outside of your job? And how are you going to regulate your mental, physical, mental and physical health? And maybe also your drug and alcohol use, because that's, that's a good place to auger down. And that tangles in your your incentive reward system. You know, we talked about the dopaminergic incentive reward system, and that's the thing that keeps you moving forward. And the way it works is that it works better if it produces positive emotion when it can see you moving towards a valued goal. Okay, well, what's the implication of that? Better have a valued goal, because otherwise you can't get any positive motivation. Most creative people fail at producing their creative product and monetizing it. Right, so your default position, if you're a creative person, is you're gonna fail. And so, and that's because it's hard to come up with something new and it's, and it's hard to present it to the market at the right time, and it's hard to market it. Like those things are really, really difficult. And so what successful entrepreneurs do is they just keep doing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And eventually, if they're fortunate, one of their ideas happens to hit the right place at the right time. Even if your idea is good, that doesn't mean it will be successful. There's so many things that have to be taken into account. So this is partly why persistence, and that's part of conscientiousness, is so useful. It's like persistence is helpful because it enables you to run many, many experiments. And, and you need to know that the baseline is failure. You know, it's important because otherwise you'll blame that on yourself. You know, and some of that's useful because there's probably some things that you could improve about yourself, but it's very difficult to go from zero to one, you know. The lion has what I call the spirit of leadership. And this word spirit here is referring to attitude. A leader has a attitude that makes him or her different from followers. And the lion exhibits that attitude. We have to cultivate the same attitudes that the lion has because the lion apparently has been given the same attitudes that God himself identifies with and he put it in these creatures. It doesn't matter how big you are, how intelligent you are, how many degrees you get. It's your mind that keeps you small. Thicken your skin, become more of a human being. 
Don't be afraid of the reflection in the mirror because that's all you can be afraid of. Once you overcome the reflection in the mirror, you've done it. If the lion is the king of the jungle, how can he be the king of the jungle? If he's not the biggest, the elephant is probably one of the biggest. He can't be the fastest because that's a cheetah. He can't be the smartest. So he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the smartest. So how does a lion become the king of the jungle? His mentality. That's the only difference of a lion and an elephant. When a lion walks up and sees an elephant, he thinks lunch. An elephant thinks run. And it's all mentality. Because when a male lion walks up, he may be outnumbered by a pack of hyenas, but I'm king of my jungle because of my mentality. Get this lion. He's the king of the jungle. He's so big. Now, the little lion comes, they start messing with him. Biting his tail, biting his ears. He doesn't do anything. The lioness, she starts messing with him. Now, the other animals, they notice this, and they start to move in. The jackals, hyenas, the barking at him, laughing at him. They nip his toes and eat the food that's in his domain. They do this, and they get closer and closer and bolder and bolder, till one day, that lion gets up and tears the shit out of everybody, runs like the wind, eats everything in his path. Because every once in a while, the lion has to show the jackals who he is. It's too late to be scared. It's time to kill. Every day in Africa, in the safari, a lion wakes up. Every single day in a safari, a lion wakes up, right? And, and every single day in a safari, a gazelle wakes up. It says that if you wake up and you're a gazelle, you realize if you're going to survive as a gazelle, if you're going to survive, you must outrun the slowest gazelle. In your mind, you're thinking you got to outrun the fastest lion. That's not the truth. You just got to stay ahead of the slow gazelle. That's it. Every single day when you wake up, whatever it is that you do professionally, you better make sure you're not in the back of the pack. You better be as close to the front if not up front as possible because every single day when the lion wakes up, it's only one thing on that lion's mind and that is catching the gazelle that couldn't keep up. What the gazelle realizes is that the way it operates, that the way it performs, that the way it goes about its daily business is contingent upon life and death. That if that gazelle does not do what he or she is supposed to do, it will be eaten by a lion. Even if you are a lion, even if you are a lion and you have the advantage that when the sun comes up, if you are a gazelle or a lion, you better get to running. Because if you are a lion, a gazelle is still not going to come to you and say, just eat me. A 
I don't care how deep you are as a lion. When you wake up, nothing is going to come to you. Nobody's going to give you anything. They're still not giving stuff to E.T. I still have to work. I still have to fly 20 hours to get to Australia. I still have to go to London. I still have to do free stuff in Detroit. I still have to drive. I'm a lion. And when the sun comes up, I still have to get to running. It's hard for people to be themselves. They don't like themselves. They don't like what they are. And so they, they like to pretend that there's something more exceptional. You know, but what people really seem to enjoy is people who don't do that. People seem to really enjoy people who just work at being a better person and being better at life. You can learn a lot from someone about how much attention they spend on other people's failures, right. how much time they spend pointing out other people's failures, and how little time they spend reflecting on their own. Yeah. I'll be the first guy, you know, if I fuck up, if I get angry at something I shouldn't have got angry with. I, I pride myself in, in calling myself out. Because a lot of people have a hard time defining themselves. They define themselves by failure because they failed. But I'm like, you're not your failures. You're you, okay? Your life is a series of lessons you've learned. Now, if you just dwell on the failures, like that's not, that's not healthy. It's not smart and it's not empowering. What you gotta do is look at those failures and go, well, now you know what not to do. But you're not that, you're yep. you. You know, you could have done the stupidest fucking shit ever, but it's not you. It's not you. You're you're a different thing. You're the the being that's experiencing all these failures. And if you know that they're fuck ups, then you've learned. Okay. If you repeat them over and over again, well, then I can't talk to you. I mean, that's the bright side of tragedy. So when you come through it, you you really will have an appreciation for the moments without tragedy. You don't really feel it unless you, you get, unless life burns you, you don't really feel it. Understand that you can struggle and you can, you can realize that sometimes when things are really hard to do, you think, oh my God, I got to stop doing this. But once you do it and you complete it, you have a satisfaction, this sense of satisfaction that you did something really difficult that is irreplaceable. I think the idea that's important is action do things yes actually do things to procrastinate and sit around and debate things forever before anything gets done yeah there's a there's a proper balance though of enough action and enough thinking that's what i like about physical pursuits man you you find out who the fuck you are you know you find out whether or not you're that person who can keep going whether you're that person who who is consistent so many people they start off like i'm gonna run a mile a day and they run a mile a day for a couple weeks and they fuck off you know, it's consistency. This showing up when you don't want to show up, forcing yourself to do things you don't want to, but then reaping the rewards. I think also stepping away from the hum of civilization is good too, because whether we like it or not, we're caught we're caught up in the hum of civilization in a in a way that it's almost uh, impossible to measure. It's happening to you if you're in traffic. It's happening to you when you're around large groups of people. There's a constant inundation of, uh, of input from other folks. And when you're in the woods, one of the first things that you realize, especially when you, sat, you sit down and you look out over a, a large ridge and valleys, you see the mountains behind it, you realize this stuff doesn't give a f*** about me. Right. It's been here long before me. It'll be here long after I'm gone. Perspective. Yeah. It, it, it's the ultimate perspective enhancer.
and you know it's just you just look around you just see these things that are out here hustling just birds looking for shit to eat and animals looking to eat a bird and you know and then other birds flying around looking for animals that are you know eating on the ground it's crazy it's a it's it's something that if you're if you're not accustomed to it it's not a normal experience for you uh when you get out there and you you soak it all in and you, you are in the forest and you are in nature it's very humbling very humbling just it just puts it in perspective like you're just a part of this insanely huge ecosystem mm-hmm. and these these cities and this hum this unnatural thing that we've created that we really haven't adjusted to yet it's not good to spend that much time in that because also you can get caught up in the way everybody else thinks and they're not always necessarily thinking a way that's beneficial for you or for them I don't think we're programmed to be steady and stable because I don't think uh, there's never a time in human history where life has been like super peaceful and easy going. Like you have these little kind of breaks where no one's coming over the hill with a sword and a fucking <laughs> gang of barbarians. The orcs, the orcs yeah. are not reading yeah, for not, a little while. So you get a little break and, and that's part of what people appreciate about life is those breaks. But you have to have the chaos too and I think it's kind of built into the system that there is always going to be this up and down and I think there's, that's it's also built into the way you interface with life, you know. You're not, you're not always going to feel great. You're going to have weird days, you know. I, but those weird days where things are shitty, one of the things it does is it really makes you appreciate the good days. And no if, I think if every day is too good, that's the problem with people that are on like certain medications that sort of make everything a seven or a six all day, every day. Dot, 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 dot. It's just gray and pale and boring yeah and there's no ups and no downs there's no nothing it's just flat i'll and take yeah i'll take the life of the poet the ones and the tens those yeah. screaming blistering tens yeah. and those fucking heart-wrenching ones like yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure i'll sign up for that what else are we going to do try and just ride out the middle ground like that oh, that's just less interesting to me there's a lot of lessons in those ones you know the biggest yeah. ones you come out of those like a different person like you you learn things your mind has to seek discomfort it has to seek these difficult tasks you have to enjoy it and you have to figure out a way to make your mind enjoy those things and some people it comes easy and some people it doesn't some people some people it takes a long time i always tell people the best thing you could ever do is force yourself to a schedule just write it down like today i have to do an hour on the treadmill i have to do an hour no matter what even if you're fucking walking on it you're doing an hour on a treadmill the next time you're going to do it, just, okay, you did an hour and this is the amount of miles you got in. Next time you're going to, you know, add three miles, put put an extra three miles in that one hour and just keep doing things like that. Write down today. I'm going to do a hundred pushups and I'm going to do a hundred sit-ups and I'm going to do a hundred chin-ups. That's today. And then force yourself, force yourself to adhere to a schedule, make a Monday, Wednesday, Friday workout schedule. Give yourself some time off, you know, like don't, don't even crush yourself to the point where you can't do it. Make it so that you really appreciate those Tuesdays and Thursdays. But on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you're going to fucking get after it. And this is what you're going to do. Most people just try to go work out. And you're kind of aimless. And you show up. And you you pick up the jump rope. And you jump a little rope. Maybe you hit the heavy bag a little bit. Maybe you do some curls. But you don't really have an aim. You know, that's why people like to hire trainers. Because a trainer will tell you what to do. Well, you can tell yourself what to do. If you don't have money for a trainer, you don't even have to have equipment. 
You know, with bodyweight squats, sit-ups, chin-ups, push-ups, you can kick your f***ing ass. You could give yourself a brutal full bodyweight workout. And you could find these for free on YouTube. There's a ton of them. There's a ton of these bodyweight workouts you could do. Just force yourself. Write it down. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to do 100 push-ups. I'm going to do 100 chin-ups. I'm going to do 100 sit-ups. Even if it takes me all f***ing day. Even if I have to do 10 and 10 and 10 and keep going all day, just that's what you do. Do 10 push-ups, take a break for 20 minutes, do another 10. But get those 100 in. You got to have discipline. That Motivation's great. I love it. I love music. I love uh, watching a David Goggins clip online or Cam Haynes or, yeah. or, or, or Jocko Willink or any of these savages. There's so many people out there. You can you could watch one of their videos where they tell you what to do and you just get fired up and you want to go do it. But that's not always going to be there for you. No. Sometimes you got to just... You gotta decide. Check the box. This is what I'm doing every day. Yeah, you get Rain used or shine. to doing it. Yeah. This is what I do. This is what I do. Listen to me. Once you realize who you are, you stop operating in desperation. You stop saying yes to stuff you ain't supposed to be saying yes to. So here's my big problem with a lot of y'all is your belief system is off. Like everybody can see how sweet you are. People are commenting on well, you could do this and you could do that, and you the only one ain't caught up with it yet. Gee, why you always on beast mode? I'm shocked more people are on beast mode. There are people who living from check to check and they comfortable. It's the weirdest thing to me. I'm like, boo, you broke. And you broke on several levels. We're not talking about Sally Mae. You still owe your grandma. I'm talking about you need to cash your grandma out. Listen to me, unless you number one in your industry, you shouldn't be chilling. And if you number one in your industry, you got enough common sense to know you better not be chilling. Every single day of my life, I feel like giving 120. Every single day, somebody said yesterday, ET, you gave 120. What you gonna do tomorrow? I said, I don't know. Get 140. I don't know, but I don't have days where I don't feel like it. Why? Because I'm counting on me. My wife's counting on me. My son's counting on me. I don't have days to waste. There's nothing wrong with the opportunity. You're not giving 120. You're giving 70. You're giving 60. You're giving 50. And you won't with these people who've given sweat, who's given blood, who's given tears. You want what they paid for, and it ain't free. You don't belong at the bottom, and it's time for you to get your butt from down there. It's time for you to stop being comfortable at the bottom. Get your butt up and get to where you're supposed to be. The Bible says he was in a pig pen and he came to himself and he went home. Get your butt up. You are a royal priesthood. Get where you belong. Do what you're supposed to do. Live like you're supposed to live. You got all the stuff. You got, you got it all. But you will not outwork me because your height has nothing to do with my work ethic. Your face has nothing to do with my work ethic. Your two-pair background has nothing to do with my work ethic. You will not outwork me. On your jet, you will not outwork me. In your Bentley, you will not outwork me. You will not outwork me. Get up. Act like you playing basketball. Act like you playing football. Compete. That's what bothers me. Many of y'all are not competing. I need effort. Compete. Go to class. I just left the school telling these kids, act like you playing football. Go on that doggone classroom. Compete. Many of you have lost your competitive edge.
get your competitive edge back. I'm not against no other motivational speaker. I'm just competitive. Some of you are not successful because every single time you run up against a trial, every time you run up against a tribulation, you stop and you cut off beast mode. And what I'm here to tell you is, if you tell that thing, I'm here just like you here, and I promise you, I ain't leaving without the degree. I ain't leaving. I will not leave without that goal. I will not leave without that dream. I will not leave this opportunity until I get it. Some of you are holding on to some real good memories that are no longer current memories and you need to let them go so that you can get what's next. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get the right information and then we're going to get narrow focus and boom, we're going to go for it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's it. Many of you will not be successful because you've got this giant goal and no steps to go with it. You're just in your mind like, girl, this is my year. How many steps? I don't know. Like, what is it going to take for you to do it? I don't know. I just know this is my year. Can I be real with you? If you can't measure it, it ain't real. Keep your dreams phenomenal. Keep your vision phenomenal. Keep it phenomenal. And now I need you to get your weight up. As an individual, I need you to get your schedule up. I need you to get your life up. I need you to get your words up. I need you to get your heart up. I need you to get your action up. I need you to get to a place that every single thing that you do is phenomenal so that the life you want to live, you can actually live that life. You lay hold of it. And when that thing tells you to quit, you look at it in his eye and say, I ain't going nowhere. I will break you before you break me. You will not defeat me. You will not destroy me. Some of you are so ignorant. You've been through so much hell. You gonna quit now? Why me, God? Why did I get MS? Why did I get cancer? Why did my mama die? Why did I get fired? Do you understand? Listen, you got through that. You got put through that because what that does, that tension produces greatness. Stop running from it and run to it. Stop telling me what you're going through. The greats, they get to it, they go through it. And the harder it is, the better. We gonna put in work because every time you put in work, you get the same consequences. You get paid, you get rewarded. And when you out there dealing with the real world, it ain't pretty. You got to have heart. Get some heart. That's why you gotta do me a huge favor. You gotta do me a huge favor. You gotta get to the point where you don't need a car anymore. You don't need a house anymore. You don't need to be pushed by anybody anymore. Your dreams, your wives gonna push you. Your spouse is gonna push you. Your child is gonna push you. The need to get better is going to push you because you're closer than you're ever going to be. It's gonna push you. You don't need anything to push you. Your goals are gonna push you. Your dreams are gonna push you. The, 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 the opportunity of a lifetime that happens in this particular time frame is gonna push you. It's gonna drive you. It's going to make you better. So do me a favor as I leave. As I leave, you can't be average anymore. 70%, you can't do it. You can't do it and have what you want. You can't give me 70 and be what you want. You can't give me 70 and do what you want. You can't be average anymore. You can't be good anymore. 80%. You can't be good anymore. 80% and have what you want. You can't be good at something and have everything you dreamed of. To make your dreams become real. To no longer dream them but walk in them. You can't. 90%. You can be good. You can be good. You can be great. 
but you still won't get it all. I'm telling you, but when you become phenomenal, there's nothing you can't have, nothing you can't do, nothing you can't be. And I just, I believe that you're in this room right now. I believe that we're in the same space right now. I believe we're all in this place together. Listen to me. I believe that we're all in this place together because all of us, all of us hate average. None of us want to be good. And for those of us who've reached greatness, we have a desire to push past greatness and see what phenomenal looks like. So I need everybody in the room, when you think about your goal and you think about your dream, I need you to understand, as I said to my wife in that hospital room, I can, I will, I must. I need everybody to say it with me. I can, I will, I must. Come on. I can, I will, I must. Again, I can, I will, I must. Now, now for those of you, you want it all. Every single dream, every single goal. As I said, for those of you who really want it, you, you're going to say it and you're going to say, stand and you're going to say it like you mean it. I can, I will, I must. Come on. I can. I will, I must. Come on. I can, I will, I must. Now say it like you mean it. I can, I will, I must. Again, I can, I will, I must. Again, I can, I will, I must. Now I need you to think about that loved one, that, 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 that individual that you have to do this for. I need you to say it with me. I can, I will, I must. Come on, for that individual. I can, I will. I must for that person. I can. I will. I must for that thing you want to accomplish. I can. I will. I must. Again, I can. I will. I must. Now I want you to think about that hurdle. I want you to think about that thing that keeps pressing you down. I want you to think about that, that mountain that's hard to climb. I want you to think about that thing that you just can't seem to get over. We're going to get over it today. We're going to get over it. We're going to get over it together. I can. I will. I must. Uh, we're going to add to it. I can get over it. I will get over it. I must get over it. Ready? I can get over it. I will get over it. I must. Come on, come on. I can get over it. I will get over it. I must get over it. I know something about you. I know you're not a quitter. I know you're a survivor. I know you're a survivor. If you're watching me right now, I know something about you. You are a survivor. So I, I want you to get off this. I want you to cut it off. I want you to go in the mirror and I want you to make the rest of your life the best of your life. I can, I will, I must. It's your boy E.T. I don't belong in this room. I remember the videos had already been out. My numbers were great. And I would come in rooms and go, or, or like that room, like I go to a high school, like boom. I go to a youth detention center, boom. I go to a prison, boom. I come to corporate and go, I don't know if I belong in here. Everybody in the room don't look like me. They don't come from where I come from. I don't know if I belong here and I'll never, for, I'll never forget. I had a conversation with Les Brown. Les Brown had called me to Orlando. We sat in the hotel and I left and I started talking to Les and I started naming like, yo, you Les Brown, this person, number one in the world. He said, don't you ever say that again. I said, don't say what? He said, you the best in the world right now. I said, what? He said, you the best in the world right now. There's nobody as good as you in the world. You're the best right now. The only reason you're not the best right now is because you don't believe you're the best now. And when you walk out this room, I want you to go in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm the best right now. He said, before you even become number one, start to proclaim it and say it long before it happened. Say, I'm the number one motivational speaker in the world. And when I was number 20, I started saying, I'm the number one motivational speaker in the world. And I went to the computer. 
in the world said exactly what I said, that Eric Thomas is number one in the world. I spoke it, the world heard it, and it activated. Your problem is that you don't believe you belong here. Your problem is that you don't think you should be sitting down here. So listen to me, there are those of you who said, I want to be a millionaire, I want to be the best at this company, right? But your value system says you believe in sleep more than you believe in grinding. That you're spending more money than you're making. Why? Because you're concerned, but you're, you're reading all the books and you're saying everything the books are saying, but those books are not in alignment with your value. And if you're going to go to the next level, your values are going to have to change. When I believed that my voice was needed in this world, when I believed that I needed to be on the stage, not for myself, but to speak to a group of people who come from where I come from, a working class who don't know what it's like to make millions and millions of dollars, who don't understand what wealth looks like, that I needed to come in the room with a single parent mother, with a father not in my life, being homeless in a high school dropout. Only somebody who comes from where you come from can tell you you belong. And I had to get my butt on stage because there's some folks that Les Brown can't reach. There's some folks that Tony Robbins can't reach. There's some folks that only I can reach. And so I need to be on the stage with them, doing what I was called to do. But what you cannot do is you cannot quit doing the process. You cannot give up because it ain't what you see. You cannot give up. Champions keep going when they don't have anything left in their tank. When you want this thing as bad as you want to breathe, that's when you find a way. Come on, come on, I want to put some context into it. I want to put some context. They sent my mother-in-law home eight years ago. Uh, the cancer metastasized throughout our whole body. They're like, it ain't nothing we can do for you. Go home, spend time with your family. And people was like, yep, that's it for her. She said, it's not it for me. And they said, what do you mean it's not over for you? The doctor said, she said, I don't care nothing about a doctor. I got to see my grandson graduate from high school. He's a junior now at Michigan State University. She said, I got to see my granddaughter graduate. My only two grandkids. I got to see my granddaughter graduate from high school and she graduates in June. She said, after that, I might die. But up until then, I ain't going nowhere. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And what we said to each other is, I can get through this. I will get through this. I must get through this. So, so I just need you to think about three people in your family that you love, three people. Three people that you love, three people. You got them, they there, you got them. This is what I need you to do for me. Cause some of you have a hard time staying motivated for a straight hundred days. So what I need you to do for me is I need you to think about those people every day when you're doing what you're doing. Do you have some days where you just wanna hit the snooze button? Raise your hand for me, you wanna hit the snooze button, right? So watch this, this is what has to happen. That person that you think about has to be louder than the snooze button. So when you think about granny, you gotta think about, do I hit the snooze button or do I get up and make it happen for granny? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Who are you doing this for? So the days you don't feel like getting up, just think about them. Somebody tell me in this room, when you think about your siblings, when you think about mom and dad and grandma, when you think about your uncle and aunts, when you think about those coaches, those people who've been there for you, just raise your hand if you say, E.T., sleep is better than that. Just raise your hand and tell me, anybody in the room, sleep is better than them, E. Just raise your hand, somebody tell me, E.T., you don't, you don't get it, you don't know how hard it is, E. I probably don't. I just lived in abandoned buildings, AI trash cans, I probably don't. Maybe I ain't never been through what you've been through, but I've been through my go-through. And you don't, you, don't, you don't get here by quitting when you're tired. You get here by quitting when you finish, when you're done.
You don't stop when you're tired. You stop when you're done. You stop when you complete it, when you execute it. Execution is worship. And so I execute for my mom. I execute for my grandma. I execute for my sister. I execute for those kids in the hood who looking for a role model. That's why I wear the hat with a PhD. That's why I wear the J's. So when the kids in the hood look at me, they say, if E.T. can do it, I can do it. That's why I can't quit and give up, even though I get tired just like everybody else. Why? Because this is what I do. This is my lane. This is your lane. You got to murder it. So when I ask you, you got energy, don't play with me. When I, tell, when I say again, you got that energy for the next hundred days, I need to feel your soul in this room. All right, I can? Come on, I can? Come on, I can? I will. I must. Come on, I can? I will. I must. Give yourself some energy. Come on. Some of you, are, your priorities are out of line and you're partying right now and you broke. You broke in your relationships, you broke in your health, like for real, you broke it, you broke, you broke. And you're broke because you're not getting the eye, you're not understanding the eye. I told you last week, it is about an invention, an idea. If you, would, if you would get off the couch, stop playing video games, stop murmuring, stop complaining, stop going to a job you don't like. You're about to go to a whole other level in every area of your life. Talking about the I am. I am strong. I am equipped. I am confident. I am more than a conqueror. Don't let your words guide you. Let your actions guide you. Everything you've ever wanted, everything you've ever wanted in life, it's in your idea. It's in your I am. Come on, I am. I am. For I am. I am. After you get off work, just like you invest in them, you need to invest in yourself. And the problem is simple. You're not investing in your I am. Write the idea down and shut up. You ain't got to share your idea with 50 people. You're watching people blow up who had an idea and they turn that idea into a reality. And not only are they millionaires or billionaires, but they making people millionaires and billionaires. Your success is not determined on just what you say. Write the idea down and boom, get to stepping, baby. Get to the action. You don't get out of life what you want. Raise your level of consciousness. You get out of life who you are. I am the greatest. You haven't convinced you that you need to put the money in so you can get where you're trying to get to. You don't believe that you are. And the very first thing the creator said was, tell them I am. After you do pursue, what does that mean? You never get to a place where you're chilling. Now your children's children will be satisfied for a marginal life and a marginal marriage. If they see their mom and dad have a marginal anything, they're going to embrace that. Why? Because you can tell people whatever you want to tell them, but people don't live their life based on what you tell them. They live it on based on who you are. This information is going to change your life forever. Like, if you've been here, this information is going to change your life. Find out who you are. Find out what your purpose is in life. Everybody got a dream. Everybody got a goal. Stop dreaming about it. Stop talking about it and get up and do something about it.
Here's the deal. If you get to the top of the tree, all the fruit from the bottom at the top is going to be there, son. So I don't need you focusing on cars and money and stuff. You're going to get that. I need you to focus on why you were born in the first place. Why are you here on earth for this particular time? What are you doing here? You need to tell you that you owe you something. I don't want nothing from you but for you to leave this room and know what you want. What do you want in your marriage? What do you want with your son and your daughter? What do you want in your health? What do you want financially? Like how much money do you want to make a year? What do you want to drive? How do you want to live? Stop just waking up like an accident. What do you want? And then once you find out what you want, spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. The reason why I speak with so much passion, ET, why do you speak with so, uh, so much authority? Because I'm talking about my life, not something that I read. I ate out of trash cans. You ain't got to start with the two-parent background. You ain't got to start with wealth. You ain't got to start with your parents graduated. It's not the hand that you dealt. You got rich kids who own drugs. You got rich kids who committed suicide. You got rich kids who, who don't know their purpose in life. It's not the hand that you was dealt, baby. It's how you play your hand. Every opportunity is the last opportunity. Every opportunity, I have to reprove myself again. Every opportunity, I'm still nervous. E.T., you've been doing this for years. Why are you so nervous? Because the day you become content, the day you stop evaluating yourself, the day you stop growing, the day you stop getting better is the day you die is the day the person who's trying to catch you will get you. And I ain't where I want to be. And I'm like, God, I ain't where I want to be. And he was like, you stop being a victim. I said, what you mean a victim? Well, it ain't my fault my mom got pregnant at 17. It ain't my fault my daddy wasn't there. It ain't my fault they couldn't get along. It ain't my fault. He said, boy, you, you grown. You ain't 10 no more. You, you, the decisions you make right now is up to you. You crying about something that happened to you when you was a kid. You ain't even no kid no more. You a grown man. Take full ownership. The stupid stuff you doing, your parents didn't make you play no video games. What you crying about? So what your daddy wasn't there? Your mama ended up getting married. What you crying about? He went to work every day. He never beat you. He never abused you. Your mama did the best she knew how to do. What you crying about? You grew up in a house. What you crying about? You've been lazy your whole life and now somebody told you you can make six figures and you go knock on the door a hundred times and your body say you a lie. You ain't never gave a hundred percent. In order to knock on the door a hundred times, you're gonna have to get 120. Get up out of here, you can't do this. And you're gonna have to fight and fight and fight and fight. And most of you won't be successful, not because you can't do it, but you can't outlast your old you long enough to get to your new new. Every day when I wake up, I got all kind of demands. You got all kind of demands. And the reason why you're not where you want to be is not because you're not great, but you taking all other people's stuff before you spend enough time with yourself to get to know you and get to know what you want and what you should do. And so please raise your hand with me if you're saying, E, from this day forth, I make a commitment to myself in a way I've never made a commitment to myself before. Let me see your hands. I said, I'm going to grind. I'm going to fight. I'm going to work. I'm going to press toward. I'm going to learn. I'm going to do everything in my power every single day. I'm going to do everything in my power to become a victor and not a victim. I'm not, I've, never seen, I've never seen all blacks play a day in my life. 
And if you watch some of my videos, I have all blacks in my videos. Why? Because they're what? They're winners. When you're a winner, winning spreads. So everybody, I got videos where I'm like, y'all, I don't really know how to show my passion. Somebody said, get the all blacks. Ah! Ah! I'm like, yep, that's what I need, all blacks. Yep, yep, I need the all blacks. I need the all why? Because they say what I'm saying. They just said it in rugby. I don't say, I don't know. I'm like, woo, that's a violent sport. Their passion is all over there. Why? Because winners win. And I can't explain it to you, but you better stop making excuses and find a way to win. How do you do it then? E, we wake up and grind. Winners win. I focus more on winning than I focus on structure. I focus on winning. And when you become a winner, they start seeing you with winners. Every day in Africa, in the safari, a lion wakes up. Every single day in a safari, a lion wakes up, right? And, and every single day in a safari, a gazelle wakes up. It says that if you wake up and you're a gazelle, you realize if you're going to survive as a gazelle, if you're going to survive, you must outrun the slowest gazelle. In your mind, you're thinking you got to outrun the fastest line. That's not the truth. You just got to stay ahead of the slow gazelle. That's it. Every single day when you wake up, whatever it is that you do professionally, you better make sure you're not in the back of the pack. You better be as close to the front, if not up front, as possible because every single day when the lion wakes up, it's only one thing on that lion's mind and that is catching the gazelle that couldn't keep up. What the gazelle realizes is that the way it operates, that the way it performs, that the way it goes about its daily business is contingent upon life and death. That if that gazelle does not do what he or she is supposed to do, it will be eaten by a lion. Even if you are a lion, even if you are a lion and you have the advantage that when the sun comes up, if you are a gazelle or a lion, you better get to running. Because if you are a lion, a gazelle is still not going to come to you and say, just eat me. I don't care how deep you are as a lion. When you wake up, nothing is going to come to you. Nobody's going to give you anything. They're still not giving stuff to E.T. I still have to work. I still have to fly 20 hours to get to Australia. I still have to go to London. I still have to do free stuff in Detroit. I still have to drive. I'm a lion. And when the sun comes up, I still have to get to running. Here's the challenge though. I asked myself when I read that story, that's what's on the surface. I read it and I started asking myself, E.T., what's the difference between a gazelle and what's the difference between a lion?
what's the difference? I know that they're wired differently, but what's the difference? And what I discovered is that the gazelle is running from something. The gazelle is running from something. So as long as the lion is chasing the gazelle, the gazelle is running. But as soon as the lion stops chasing the gazelle, it stops. That's a lot of you in this room. You will run. You'll do what you're supposed to do. As long as you're getting pushed, as long as you're getting motivated, as long as somebody is encouraging you, as long as somebody's coaching you, as long as somebody's pushing you, as long as somebody's prodding you, you're doing what you're supposed to do. As long as somebody's calling you, as long as someone is enticing you, as long as somebody's giving you rewards, you're moving. But as soon as that stops, you stop. I asked myself the question about the lion, and I said the lion is not running to be rewarded. The lion is running to eat. Every single day, the lion is running to eat because the lion realizes when he kills the gazelle, not only does he eat the gazelle, but he brings it back home. You've got to ask yourself, what's your why? What motivates you? What pushes you? What drives you? And if that thing is internal, if nobody has to call you, if nobody has to prod you, if nobody has to reward you, if nobody has to give you anything, if you are self-motivated and self-regulated, you can have it, you can be it, you can do it. Most people never dare to evaluate really where they are. And you gotta know where you are before you can really determine your chances of getting what you really want out of life. If we can reduce stress, and incidentally, the same process that reduces stress is exactly the same process that will enable you to have a long-term balanced career. You know, so many times people say, well, I do this, but man alive, it hurt, it cost too much money, or it'd take too long, or, or whatever. I, I quit smoking, but you know, I'd gain 47 pounds, or whatever, or I'd go back to college and get my degree. Uh, but you know, it'd take me 10 years, and in 10 years, I'd be 45. Well, how old would you be in 10 years if you didn't go back to college and get a degree? But instead of that, what you need to do is you set your goal is identify the benefits. Why do I want to do this? Then you identify the obstacles which you've got to overcome. Did you spell out the skills and knowledge required? Did you identify the people, the groups and organizations to work with? Did you work out a plan of action? And did you set that date? You see, there's a formula. And the formula and the incident for the date you can't set a date on a lot of things. If it's applicable, you do. But for example, when do you finish education? You don't, do you? Now you finish school. You can make it easy. But you never finish your education. When you answer these questions, if you answered any of them with a, no, I didn't do that, then what you've got is not a goal. It's still a dream. And that dream has got to have some foundation uh, to it. If you want to build a winning attitude, you need to take time, and this is probably going to surprise you, based on what you've heard me say so far, but you need to take time to be quiet. 
You need to do it at least four or five times a week. A lot of people say, well, that guy keeps talking about time for this and time for that. I don't have time for all of these things. Let me tell you how you can create an extra three hours every day of your life, guaranteed. Over 70% of all of the time spent watching television, you're watching things you have no interest in watching. Let me encourage you to do this. Take a slow, lazy, drifting, absolutely meaningless walk. Just almost go to sleep on the walk. Not an exercise walk, you need to do those too, but a very quiet walk. Pick out a place in your home where you can be absolutely quiet on occasion. If you have to get up 30 minutes earlier, that's wonderful. I don't know why, but I seem to wake up earlier in the winter months than I do in the summer months. And when I get up, it's pitch dark. I have a nice little office. I go in there and I turn on the gas log and I sit there. And every time I do that, without exception, I have the most exciting day of my life. I simply run through my mind the things I'm going to be doing. As you plan the day, as you think of all of the things we've got to be excited about, it really does renew your energy and it gets you excited about the day. Now let me tell you something. This is going to be one of the toughest things you'll ever do. When you sit down saying, well, I'm going to sit perfectly quiet for 20 or even 30 minutes, you will think of 2,868 reasons or things that you've got to do. You try to decide, do I raise the window or lower it? Do I turn the heat up or down? Do I get the air conditioner off or do I turn it more full blast? Do I really need to go to the bathroom? Am I going to get me a cup of coffee? What is that noise against the outside? Maybe I better check up on that. Resist the temptation. Spend a few minutes in quiet, reflective thought. It does make a difference. Take time to be quiet. Now, we teach things that are generally not taught in school, as I already have said, but I want to talk about another little factor. 90% of the visits to medical doctors are directly or indirectly related to stress. 90%. My stress level, and I face as many deadlines as anybody you know. It's always a book production, a class I'm teaching, a seminar I'm presenting, and each one of them uh, requires time and concentration. Example, how many of you feel like I've made this talk before? Can I see your hand, please? Several hundred times, I made it yesterday. You know what I did between yesterday and today? I spent over six hours getting ready for today. You see, I think it would be arrogant if I thought I could stand up and spit it out just because I did it yesterday or hundreds of times. That's arrogance. When you respond to life instead of react to it, react is negative. You get sick, go to the doctor. She gives you a prescription, says, see me tomorrow. You walk in the next day, she said, uh-oh, it's not working. Uh, we got to have to change their prescription. You get a little nervous. But as she smiled and said, hey, it's working. And so you have just, she's just responded and you feel better because now you see some real hope in order to get ahead in life. I don't know how many of you uh, remember or recognize the name Howard Hill. Now, Howard Hill was a good Alabama boy. He was an archer. They say he was the best in the whole world. He entered 287 archery tournaments. He placed first 287 times. He was so good, he retired early 
because the other archers started to get unwilling to compete for second place. I've seen newsreels of Howard Hill where from 50 feet away, he had split an arrow dead center in the, in the bullseye. Then he would take the next arrow and split the first one. He killed a Cape buffalo with a bow and arrow, the most difficult game animal alive to bring down. He killed a Bengal, Bengal tire, tiger. He killed a 15-foot shark in, under 18 feet of water. Or was it an 18-foot shark under 15 feet of water? Well, it was a great biggin' in his way down there. I, uh, uh, you know, I do know that. <clears throat> he was a good one, there's no question. So, now let me emphasize a point. I've, I've never shot the bow and arrow professionally, but I'm an instructor extraordinary. I'm not certain, but I think that's French, which means I'm really good at it. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me tell you just how good I am as a teacher. If I could spend 30 minutes with any man or woman who will ever view this, providing your eyesight is good and your health is normal, at the end of 30 minutes, I would have you hitting the bullseye more consistently than Howard Hill could hit it on the best day he ever had. Sound like I'm bragging, but I'm not. I could do it. Provided, of course, you had first blindfolded Howard Hill and turn him around a couple of times so he wouldn't have a clue as, uh, you know, just uh, which way am I headed? And you might say, well, now, Ziegler, my goodness alive, fella, of course you could. That's ridiculous. How on earth could a person possibly hit a target he couldn't, see, he couldn't even see? It's a good question, but here's a better one. How can you hit a target you don't have? SpaceX's lack of experience, $1.6 billion, could compromise safety. Testified against commercial space flight. You know, I, I wish they would come and visit and, and see the hardware that we're doing here. And, and I think that would change their mind. You know, th those guys are heroes of mine. There are many more ways to fail than to succeed. For a rocket, there's like a thousand ways a thing can fail and like one way it can work. You could have a lot of rocket failures. Lift off of the Falcon 9 rocket. What I'm trying to do is, is to make a, a significant difference in spaceflight and help make spaceflight accessible to, to almost anyone. There need to be reasons to get up in the morning. You know, life can't just be about solving problems. Otherwise, what's the point? There's got to be things that people find inspiring uh, and make life worth living. If somebody is doing something that is useful to the rest of society, I think that's a good thing. Like, it doesn't have to change the world. Like, if you're doing something that has high value to, to people, um, that's, I mean, I think that's, that's fine. Like, stuff doesn't need to be changed the world just to be good. Depending upon how well you want to do, and particularly if you're starting a company, you need to work super hard. And, I mean, if you do simple math, say like, okay, if somebody else is working 50 hours and you're working 100, you'll get twice as much done in the course of a year as the, as, uh, the other company. I am somewhat impulsive, and uh, I don't really want to try to adhere to some CEO template. A natural human tendency is wishful thinking. A challenge for entrepreneurs is to say, well, what's the difference between really believing in your ideals and sticking to them versus pursuing some unrealistic dream? That is a really difficult thing to, to tell you. Can you tell the difference between those two things? I think certainly uh, being focused on something that you're confident will have high value to someone else. Um, and just being really rigorous in making that assessment. 
I think certainly extremely tenacious and then just work like hell. I mean, you just have to put in, you know, 80 hour, 80 to 100 hour weeks every week. I mean, it, I think it's, it's like quite, quite painful and difficult. So all those things improve the odds of success. I came to the conclusion that if, if we can advance the knowledge of the world, if we can do things that expand the scope and, and, and scale of consciousness, then we're better able to ask the right questions and become more enlightened, and, and that's really the only way forward. That's unreal! Space is hard, and rockets tend to fail, unfortunately. Um, and uh, even when you've got like, a lot of really smart people working super hard to minimize the probability of failure, it's still, it's still there, and it's... Um, and it's you know it's it's quite significant. You know, people have asked me like, well, why why are rockets you know especially hard? Um, and and the, the, you know part of it is like everything has to work the, the first time. Like there's there's no you can't do a recall, you can't patch it. It's got it's like nine minutes to orbit or it's over. You can never test the rocket completely in the environment that it's actually going to experience. Mm -hmm. You you can't fully recreate something that's moving super fast in a vacuum on the surface of Earth. Like you can only really rec recreate that on, in space. I mean, it's, I think it's it's like quite quite painful and difficult, honestly, <laughs> um, and it's, it feels terrible. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, the the, the company is sort of looking to you know me to you know rally them, and so I do. Um, but I honestly feel super bad. So what what does super hard mean? Um, well, when my brother and I were starting our first company, uh, in, instead of getting an apartment, we just rented a, a small office and we slept on the couch. And we, we showered at the, the YMCA and uh, we're, we're so hot up we had just one computer. So the, 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 the website was up during the day uh, and I was coding at night. Seven days a week, all the time. If other people are putting in 40-hour work weeks and you're putting in 100-hour work weeks, then even if uh, you're doing the same thing, you know that you, you will achieve in four months what it takes them a year to achieve. When I was young, I, I, uh, I didn't really know what I was going to do uh, when, I, when I got older. Um, people kept asking me, and, and, um, but, but then eventually I thought that the idea of inventing things would be, would be really cool. And the reason I thought that was because um, I, I read a quote from Arthur C. Clarke, which said that sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, and, and that's really true. Um, if you if you go back, say, 300 years, the things that we take for granted today uh, would be you'd, you'd be burned at the stake for, um, you know, being able to fly—that's um, crazy. Uh, being able to see over long distances, being able to communicate, having um, effectively with the internet. Uh, a, a, a group mind of sorts, um, and having access to all the world's information uh, instantly from almost anywhere on the earth. Um, this is this is stuff that that really would be magic. It would be considered magic um, in, in times past. In fact, I think it actually goes beyond that because there are many things that we take for granted today that weren't even imagined in, in times past. They weren't even in the realm of magic. So it actually goes goes beyond that. So I thought, well. You know, if, if, if I can do some of those things, basically if, if, if I can advance technology, then that, that's like magic and that would be really cool. Um, and the, the, I always had sort of a slight existential crisis because I was trying to figure out what, what does it all mean? Like what's the purpose of things? And um, I came to the conclusion that 
if, if we can advance the, 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 the knowledge of the world, if we can do things that expand the scope and, and, and scale of consciousness, then we're better able to ask the right questions and become more enlightened. And, and that's really the only way forward. For, for any given company, just can, can keep thinking about are these efforts that people are, are expending, are they resulting in a better product or service? And if they're not, stop those efforts. Um, and then the, the, the final thing is, is, is don't, don't just follow the trend. You may have heard me say it to, to, that it's good to think in terms of the, the physics approach for first principles, uh, which is rather than reasoning by analogy, you boil things down to the most fundamental truths you can imagine and you reason up from there. And this is a good way to figure out if if, if something really makes sense or if it's just what everybody else is doing. It, it's, it's hard to think that way. You can't think, think that way about everything. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, but if you're trying to do something new, it's the best way to think. Um, and that framework was developed by, by physicists to figure out counterintuitive things um, like quantum mechanics. So it's really a powerful, powerful method. I think that the final thing I would encourage you to do is now is the time to take risk. Uh, you don't have, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't have, you don't have kids. Uh, Your obligation. Well, <laughs> probably don't have kids. Um, the, 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 the uh, but, but as you as you get older, your obligations increase. So you, the, and once you have a family, you start taking risk not just for yourself but for your family as well. It gets much harder to. Uh, do things that might not work out. Um, so now is the time to do that uh, before you before you have those obligations. So I would I would encourage you to take risks now. Do something bold. Um, you won't regret it. Thank you. If you spend all your time doing inventory on what you lost, you will never count up what you have left. Your future is never predicated on what you lost. It's predicated on what you have left. What you have left is enough to build something greater than where you are. And you have all the rich experiences that come through the atrocities you survived. You're stronger. You're wiser. You've proven things to yourself that you couldn't have learned any other way. That you could overcome everything that happened to you. So start looking ahead. Nobody drives forward looking in the rearview mirror. Understanding that and, and surging ahead with what you have been given and to appreciate time. I have a work ethic that they say is incredible. I mean, I can hang with the best of them when it comes to doing what has to be done. But I, I got it from watching my father well and then sick. He, he kept going, he kept moving. He kept producing all the way out. Work ceases to be work when you start to love it. When you love what you do, when you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So you, you love it, that doesn't mean you don't get tired, that doesn't mean you shouldn't take vacations, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have self-care, all that. But self-care only has so much. After a while, you get tired of that sand on your back, and you say, okay, I gotta, I gotta do something because we were made to be productive and creative and resourceful. And I want to tell every entrepreneur listening at me, 
If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And if you don't succeed that time, try, try again. And if you don't succeed that time, try, try again. And if you don't succeed that time, write a book about what you learned from how you failed. There's always something to do with what you have experienced. My legacy is pouring whatever I experienced into who's listening. That is, that is my legacy. That's proof that I was here. If, 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 if at the end of this interview and the end of reading my book, I added something to your life that made you build a table out of a tree, then I built it too. Then whenever anybody asks you about the table, you'll tell them about this guy you met in the interview. You know, that, that's how we have survived for centuries. That's how my people withstood slavery and the atrocities of our lives. Because in the midst of all of the horrendous things we experienced, we still clapped our hands and we still sang our songs and we still managed to be creative and we are still here. So, so don't tell me about trouble through, through hanging nooses and rapes and burnings and killings. We sang. And, and my legacy is, is that you dance and sing and survive and, and do something. I'm not saying that you won't have opposition and trouble and tears. I don't have to write about that. That will find you on its own. Agony will always find you on its own. It's ecstasy that has to be, has to have your address on it. So I'm sending you the potential to, to go beyond agony to the ecstasy of fulfilling everything you were created to be. And that's my legacy. It's in the people that heard me and read my books and saw my movies and traveled around the world with me. Uh, it's in my children. I, when I'm writing, I'm actually imagining that I'm having this conversation. And my book reads like I'm talking, uh, like I'm talking to you. And you know that from reading it, it sounds like we're having a conversation with a friend. I'm actually talking to you. I'm through the book. I didn't drop the mic and don't you drop it either. And something of what I said will make it into your book. And something of what you said will make it into the book of the person who read it. And that's how we have progressed for centuries and eons and millenniums because we passed the mic, we didn't drop it. If you lose your ability to hear, eventually it will affect your ability to speak. Because there is a correlation between what the ear hears and what the mouth articulates. On the impetus of that ideology comes this tremendous premise of listening. Every great orator is a great listener. And I think we have lost not our ability to speak, not yet, but we have lost our ability to listen because the only thing we do is pause while we formulate our next approach to attack. And that's not listening, uh, that's strategizing. But if we actually take the time to listen, most of us all want the same things. Most of us want to be loved. Most of us want to be appreciated. 
Most of us want to be accepted, flaws and all. Most of us, if we have children, want what's best for our children. Most of us are scared. Most of us are anxious and are worried. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we communicate? We're better together than we are apart. And we don't have to agree about everything. But in the process of meeting, I found it's hard to hate somebody you understand. And in the process of meeting, your perspectives broaden, sometimes to the point that you are ejected from the tribe because people who are not exposed are intimidated by people who are exposed. But people who are exposed, it's worth it to lose the sanctity of your citizenship and the tribe of how you describe yourself to enter into the broader world of a human experience before you die. I would hate to die in a zip code having never left the neighborhood that I was born in mentally uh, and not experience the world, the world, France and Ethiopia and Australia and millennials and boomers and Gen Xers. There's something to be learned and people of faith and people not of faith. We, we need to communicate to survive as a species. If you're gonna be successful in business today, you cannot build your business around people like you. You have to build your business in a very broad, eclectic way because the world is becoming broad and eclectic. And a narrow mind also causes you to be less successful at the end of your career because your niche marketing, an item that could have a broad appeal if you didn't think within the prison of your own experiences. week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient. 